You found yourself on another episode of Locked on Bulls. In today's episode, I'll be breaking down the latest to come out about Lonzo Ball, where it seems like internally the Bulls do think Lonzo Ball's career could be over. There are also internal questions arising. Is Zach Levine going to finish out his contract with the Chicago Bulls? We're going to talk about that. Plus, ask how can Acme begin to regain trust of Chicago Bulls fans? We're going to talk all that and more right after this. You are Locked On Bulls, your daily podcast on the Chicago Bulls, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome to another episode of Locked On Bulls, member of the Locked On Podcast Network, where it's your team Every day, today's episode is brought to you by Prospix. First time users can receive 100% instant deposit match up to $100 with promo code locked on. That's prospix.com, promo code locked on. I'm Hayes, host and creator of Chicago Bulls and Chicago Bears Central. We're going to go ahead and jump into it for today. Holding it down for Pat, the designer who's out on podcast PTO. Well deserved, I must add. Uh, if you want to follow Pat, make sure you go and check him out on at Pat, the designer, I should say. But Let's jump into it. So over the weekend, we had a couple of news slash rumor things to come out about the Chicago Bulls, and we're going to catch up on that now. The first up was about Lonzo Ball, and it's it sounds like internally there are some Bulls execs that they're just doubtful that Lonzo Ball is going to return um, in his career. And when you really hear kind of everything that's come out about Lonzo Ball, the type of injury he had in the cartilage uh, transplant surgery, the typical return period of that is about 18 to 24 months. A lot of times, it's it's much longer than that as well. When you look at just the history of how slow Lonzo Ball has returned for most injuries that he's had over his careers, he typically returns slower than the normal return time. And so, with that said, even if Lonzo Ball is able to return in his career, which there is a lot of doubt around that, um, that it's the the doubt that he's going to be able to return in his time left on the Chicago Bulls contract. He has 24 months left on a contract. So even if you're looking at the tail end of that deal, right, the 18-month portion of that deal, it's still putting into doubt his availability remaining on his Chicago Bulls contract. And I know this has kind of been talked at, at basically since the surgery happened. Is he going to be able to return? Is he going to be able to return? But the key thing is, is that it seems like AK initially went into last offseason hopeful that Lonzo Ball was going to return. I think that was indicated by the moves that that AK did move or made or lack thereof that he didn't make with the Bulls roster last season, bringing in Goran Dragic, not really trying to bring in another starting level point guard, just kind of bringing in talent that was going to keep that Bulls team contending to a certain period until hopefully Lonzo Ball returned back at some point that season. With now internally the Bulls doubtful and realizing that there's a high probability Lonzo Ball just does not return back in his career, hopefully it it gives them enough to to realize that they have to find a more long-term option. Now, I want to be clear. Just because they they may now be more aware that they have to find a more long-term option, that still does not mean that that necessarily transpires this offseason. I've said it before. Pat said it. I think we're headed to a more likely scenario that the Bulls primarily run it back with the majority of the same roster. Some tweaks here and there, but majority of the same roster. And one of those things that may come of that is just starting Kobe White for a year 
letting Kobe develop, seeing how Kobe's going to be on his new deal. If he does get a new deal, maybe bringing in another uh, point guard to come off the bench. I think also a scenario that we haven't talked about too much is that you re-sign Kobe, maybe even you re-sign Io, depending if, if after his season, if you can re-sign him for cheap, you then hopefully bring in some size, some shooting on, on the wing, things like that, a backup power forward or a starting power forward, whatever you can get. And then because you're able to play Alice Caruso more at that point guard position, they may just go ahead and, and run it back with that, right? Or if they find the right deal, right, for the right player that they see maybe being a one, two-year stopgap as they figure out a more long-term scenario at that point guard position, that's that's that could be where they go as well. We know that there's some rumors about trying to trade into the top three within Maybe the goal being Scoot Henderson, but even Brandon Miller, if he's there at number three. Um, but I think that we are headed in the most likely scenario is that it's probably going to end up being either Kobe, maybe a veteran minimum player, something like that as a stopgap until they can get Lonzo's contract off the books. Right. When you look at kind of where the Bulls are with their contract situation, Lonzo DeMar coming off the books in subsequent years, they could wait to make a move at that point in time. And I know that's not necessarily what Bulls fans would want to hear, right? And and I understand that. And I know we want it all right away as soon as we can, you know, especially suffering through last season, seeing how much Zach Levine played much better once Patrick Beverly came in. And a point that Pat, the designer, always makes on the show also is that you look at, at Pat Bev, not even a top 20, maybe not even a top 30 point guard in the NBA but because of the play style, because of his understanding of the system, because of his ability to facilitate and communicate on both sides of the ball, um, it really did help put kind of everybody in a more natural fit of their of their position, albeit except Alex Caruso, who's starting as a 6'3", 6'4", power forward, but that's a story for another day. Um, so that could be what the Bulls do. Either way, I just look at it and say that, all right, you've come to this realization. It seems like hopefully everybody internally is all on the on the right page. I know we heard a rumor a couple of weeks ago at this point, maybe even a month ago, that there are some people internally in the Bulls that wanted to wait till Lonzo Ball comes back. Um, and I just, I hope that they're in a more realistic mind state, right? You can be hopeful of Lonzo's return, but you got to do something at the point guard position. And while I understand that Kobe is probably the the way that this team may go, just looking at our our, our cap situation, even I think putting Kobe at the point guard situation, point guard position. I want to say this, right? And this isn't a negative on Kobe. This is just realizing the type of player that Kobe is. Kobe is better, and he was better at the end of last season when everything was basically going through him on that bench unit. When his decision making, his improved playmaking, uh, his improved ability to get to the rim, his shot eventually starting to fall. That is where Kobe really started melding the things that he was doing. When his shot isn't falling, with having a, uh, with him starting to, that scoring starting to come around for him, and I don't know if Kobe's going to be able to do that if he's moved into the starting lineup. He would have to then go back to being more of a of a facilitator. And even in in looking at Kobe's and what rewatching his season ending presser, uh, and he talked about how you know he's not really trying to play that type of game anymore, not negatively, but just saying he has to understand the type of player he is. So. There's there's enough concern there, right? Um, and that's not to say that there aren't going to be some point guard options out there available. I don't know if they're going to be in the Bulls' price range, just considering the fact that if we do re-sign Kobe, if we re-sign Vooch, even at modest deals, 
we're still looking at probably only about seven, eight million dollars in room underneath that luxury tax. And then you're at that point, you're looking at adding some size, adding some shooting, and potentially adding a point guard with that. That's a lot to try to get done with only around eight million dollars. So there's going to be corners cut somewhere. And if we do go after that point guard, then that may mean that that added size and shooting that we want and have heard AK talk about may not be coming either, right? This isn't the best scenario either. So it really comes down to AK and Eversley may be forced to pick what they're going to prioritize this offseason. Are they going to prioritize bringing in a point guard? Are they going to prioritize that? Or are they more so going to prioritize adding some of that shooting to change our shot profile, which was one of the buzzwords that AK used, right? Is that going to be more so the focus than adding a point guard? And that's really where it comes down to you guys. I want to hear from you guys on this one, whether on the YouTube side or podcast side. Um, when it comes to it, if you had to make a decision on what to add to this team this offseason, which AK and Eversley may be forced to do, is it going after that point guard to help take the ball out of Zach Levine's hands to help run that offense a little bit better to help facilitate, or is it adding size and shooting, right? If you had to pick, I know, I know we want it all, but if you have to pick between one of those to address in this off season, which one is the one that you would want to see AK and Eversley focus on? And so that's the biggest question that they have to face the, themselves. And like I said before, they are not in an envious situation. I do not envy the position that AK and Eversley are in, but some of it is due to them and their decision makings and the, the 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 roster that they put together. You now sit in a place, and with the Lonzo injury, of course, that Lonzo injury, it really puts an already tight cap situation that the Bulls ownership places on this team even tighter when you have a $21 million contract that you're getting no value out of this upcoming season. But let me know what you guys think on that one down below next up we're going to be talking about zach levine and the rumors that he may not actually finish his his career for his full contract here as a chicago bull but before we do that i got to talk to you guys about one of our sponsors and that's prize picks and prize picks is daily fantasy made easy how does it work you pick two to six players and if they go on to score more or less than the prize picks projections you can win up to 25 times your money on any entry no competing against other people it's just you versus the projections available. PrizePix offers projections on any sport that you could possibly watch. This includes WNBA, NBA, NFL, MLB, NHL, PGA, college football, men's college basketball, women's college basketball, soccer, esports, literally any sport that you can think of, PrizePix offers projections on. Entries can be made in 60 seconds or less. It's just that easy. Safe and fast withdrawals. Currently operational in over 30 states and Canada. Download the PrizePix app or go to prizepix.com to sign up and play daily fantasy sports. First-time users can receive 100% instant deposit match up to $100 with promo code locked on. If you deposit $100, PrizePix will give you $100. If you deposit $50, PrizePix will give you $50. Don't forget to enter promo code locked on at sign up for instant deposit match up to $100. Intro came in hot there. Uh, but next up, we're going to talk about Zach Levine. And so over the weekend, uh, Casey Johnson had uh, an episode of the Bulls Talk podcast as well as one of his mailbags. And in that, he alluded to the fact that there are some execs from around the NBA. Again, this is not internal to the Chicago Bulls. These are execs that Casey Johnson talks to quite oftenly around the NBA 
that there is some some shared doubt that Zach Levine finishes out his full five-year contract as a member of the Chicago Bulls roster. And when I initially heard that, read that, because I did both, um, the mindset that that just put me in is like, all right, that's fair. I mean, listen, we live in a in a period of the NBA where no contract is unmovable, right? And players just aren't typically finishing out their contracts with the team that gives them those contracts. This is not anything outside the norm. When you also look at just how far away the Chicago Bulls are from truly being a contending team, right? Competing, contending, different things, right? And some would even say that we're far from really competing at a high level, right? Getting Being a team that has a, is it even a threat to win a playoff series. And so because of how far the Bulls are from that, it makes sense that execs looking from the outside in would say, hey, yeah, I have some doubt, right? Is Zach Levine even going to finish that contract in Chicago, right? Is he going to is he going to finish that out? Are they going to be forced to move on from Zach Levine to try to recoup some assets before eventually that contract ends? It's a reasonable question to ask, right? It's a reasonable level of doubt to have as well. And it really does co- come back to that's just the stock of this team right now. When you're a team that has three veteran players that have all been all-stars at some point, those same three players played the most minutes of any three-man combination in the regular season the, the past year. It raises some doubt on the how viable that, that, that three-player combination is going forward. And as the Bulls move through this offseason, and it starts becoming more likely that it is, that they probably will run it back, you start looking at, okay, then what are the things that could change on the roster to make this team's outlook better. And so me and Pat have talked a lot about potential DeMar DeRozan trades. We're very on record to think to us saying, considering he's an expiring contract, considering his age, considering we have a, a far shot of being a even competing team really in the time that he has left in the NBA. Again, not all due to him, some due to the Lonzo Ball situation, some due to roster construction then it makes sense to then wonder that, right? And Zach Levine does offer you, considering his combination of age, the same age, I believe so, that Jimmy Butler was when we moved on from Jimmy Butler, that how viable is it that the Bulls are going to be able to pull this all together in the four years, maybe three, because that last year on Zach Levine's contract is a player option. How how realistic is it that we're going to put together a team that's going to be able to, to compete in that time, right? And and you have to and and because of that, yeah, there's some doubt around it. Now, Casey Johnson went on to say in both the podcast and even the article, right, the mailbag, is that internally the Bulls have not wavered from their desire to reshape around Zach Levine, that their belief in Zach Levine, and that that as well makes sense with where the Bulls are. I know they're going to be Bulls fans that hear this that and immediately start thinking, well, Zach isn't a number one option, yeah. Nobody's saying that he is, right? When you look, but we don't have one on this team. No, DeMar is not a number one option on a championship contending team in 2023 or 24. Nikola Vucevic is not that either. Zach Levine isn't that either. But when you look at building a modern day team, Zach Levine is our most, more, most versatile offensive weapon, period. That just is what it is. That's not even up for debate. He's the most versatile in how you can build your team. He offers a three-level score. Be, all being inconsistent in that and on the defensive end, but that's all 
the major players that we have on this team. So it really comes down to, I think, at what point does A.K. and Eversley look at this team, look at where, where we are, wherever at that time, and think, at what point is the most value you're going to get back is moving on from Zach. Now, I'm, I don't think that we're there anytime soon. I think when you look at how AK is typically built, even built Denver, he, he builds slowly over time. That is kind of why even the Bulls trading for Vooch, giving up all those draft picks, giving up young players, right? Then giving up more draft picks to get DeMar, right? Signing Alonzo Yunda, giving up a second round pick for that as well because of the tampering case. It just wasn't really indicative of how AK operated when running the Denver Nuggets. And so because of that, it's now put the Bulls in this situation where they don't have a clear path forward. We do not have that clear path. We just don't. And so as long as until that path starts clearing up some, you're going to always have your rumors. Every offseason, there's going to be rumors of are the Bulls, is this going to be the year that the Bulls move on from Zach? Is this going to be the year that they decide to blow it all up? Is this going to be the year they decide to go rebuild? You can only retool so much, right? And I think that every front office, every front office only has at most, unless you sustain success over a long time, only has one and a half to two rebuilds in you. And if ownership looks at moving on from Wendell, sending the two first-round picks out, sending another first-round pick for DeMar, sending out Daniel Gafford, if they look at that as a rebuild, then that means that, Arturis only has one. And while anybody in this position in the Chicago Bulls is literally going to get at least a decade in that job, AK isn't going anywhere anytime soon, you really only get a couple of shots at going full rebuild with your roster. And I don't know if AK is ready to trigger that. Retooling is different. I think a retooling is absolutely coming, but that retool may take place over a couple, maybe even three off seasons before it's completely retooled, just kind of minor tweaks in that time and because of that it's gonna it may be a minute it may be a minute that we're still riding out in a couple of off seasons where we're still having this question of where are the bulls going we may start seeing little pieces of that um but yeah ultimately zach levine and outside sources thinking zach levine isn't going to finish the contract with the bulls that's not surprising with where we are if we were a team that had gone on one two deep playoff runs, I doubt that, that that outside influence, that outside look at that would be would, would be that, but it kind of just is what it is. And I think when you are in the situation of parity that is in the NBA right now, you're going to always, uh, teams are going to be more likely to kind of hold on to their pieces, right? And I think when you look at some of the coaching movement that we've seen around the NBA this season, we're not even into the full offseason yet, that some of that is because of how the cap is changing, right? And how much more now you need to really internal development and taking advantage of cheap rookie scale contracts is going to be at a premium of getting those draft picks right, developing the most that you can out of those draft picks. And I think that's why you're seeing some of that coach movement while the Chicago Bulls are sticking with Billy Donovan. But let's get into the last topic for today. And so... Before we go today, we have to talk about AK Neversley. So everything right now that's built around the Chicago Bulls, everything that we have going on, um, one of the most polarizing conversations that you will hear in the Bulls community right now 
is about our front office uh, and about ownership as well, but it's about the front office of the Chicago Bulls. And I think when you look at that, you have to ask yourself, right? AK, Eversley, they came in, and because they made moves right away, they went after Nikola Vucevic, who I think, yeah, now in hindsight, we all look back at that deal and realize it didn't work out in our favor. But at that time, I think generally around the NBA and around most Bulls fans, people were happy that they made, that they picked that path. And then coming into that offseason after that, you signed Damar, you signed Caruso, you signed Alonzo uh, Ball, you put together a team that in the first half, first 33 games of the season looked amazing. And there was a lot of faith that was built up by AK and Eversley. Even me and Pat here, right? We had our little joke saying that AK was basically Batman. He had a plan for a plan for a plan. And slowly we started to see that unravel, right? As the Vooch deal looked less and less favorable, right? As it turned into two lottery picks, whereas had the Bulls made, had Zach Levine not went down with COVID that first year, the Bulls probably would have made the playoffs that year. Had they made the playoffs, they're, at that point, then they're not getting Franz Wagner with, I think, what, the eighth overall pick? You're getting a pick more in the 15, 16, 17 area, right? And then now, this year, this pick, the Bulls didn't make the playoffs again. And because of that, now the uh, Orlando Magic get another lottery pick from us where it could have been less than that. And because of that, the that's part of the reason why the trust started unraveling. Then you look at the start of this past season, how the Bulls, yeah, Zach Levine wasn't healthy to start. The Bulls just didn't have it. We looked like a terrible team for the most part of the season, up and down played. We beat some good teams even when we weren't playing the best. We bring in Pat Bev. We go 14-9 and nine over the last 23 games of the season and ultimately restored a little bit of faith, right? Then we get bounced out the play-in. Then you start seeing things like Jimmy Butler go on the run that he's gone on. By the way, Game 7 is about to be wild tonight as well when you guys watch this. But um, ultimately, the trust that, it, that we had of AK coming in, coming in, riding off the wave of what he built in Denver, coming off like... Jokic is turning into a beast, right? That doubt is now there. We have doubt now about our front office. And when we constantly hear things like, oh, well, we need to add rim protection. We need to add shooting. We didn't do that. And we're reminded of things like we need to get younger, more athletic from guard packs. That trust isn't there from everyone. Now, me and Pat have said it's going to take time, right? It never was that the Bulls were, they were highly unlikely to be a championship contending team three years after AK and Eversley took over the team. It takes time. And while a lot of their moves, decisions in hindsight, whatever it is, did not end up working out, right? The Lonzo Ball contract. Of course, now everyone was saying, well, why would you give this contract to a player that had so many injuries before? But when that that season was rocking and rolling and Lonzo looked like exactly what we needed as a point guard next to Zach Levine, we had some faith in that. Faith ended up not being responded back to us in a good way. And so what does AK and Eversley need to do? Can they even regain the trust of fans anytime soon? That is one of the biggest questions that we have here. And I think that it's a little bit, it's made a little bit harder by ownership. And the reason why I say something like that is when you look at 90% of the teams in the NBA, when you look at the Lonzo Ball situation, they would file for at least the, the disabled player exception, which would then give you $10.1 million to go out there and sign or sign another player or trade for a player in the last year of their deal. 
But because the Bulls are such a unique situation with ownership to where we ownership does not want us to go into the luxury tax, we're probably not even going to file for that exception, much less use it, right? Every team has the mid-level, well, not every team, but most teams have the mid-level exception that they can use every single year to add to their team. We are in a situation where we're not even going to use all of that because, again, it would send us into the luxury tax. So while somewhat AK and Eversley's hands are tied to a degree, you still have to look at the deals that they made that did not work, right? You have to evaluate that. And so until we start seeing, I think, a string of deals, and again, let me be clear. I'm not saying that you're going to get another offseason of a bunch of moves. That's highly unlikely, right? That does not typically come every single offseason. So you may not get that. But until we get a set or series of moves over a period of time that work, Bulls Nation is just not going to trust AK and Eversley the same way that they did when they initially took over the team. And I'm not saying that that's a wrong mindset to have. Trust is earned, right? Trust is earned. And so with a lot of fans, me, myself included, going right into trusting and having faith in AK because it was something new. It was different. They came in. They kind of set their tone, right? They set their path that they wanted to go, and they wanted to be a team that was going to be competing, right? Competing, not contending, different things. They wanted to be a team that was going to compete while they developed their young players. We haven't competed, right? Outside of a stretch to start the season, we've not competed. We haven't developed our young players in a meaningful way. When you look at it, Kobe White, aside of that, we can say Kobe White did add a lot to his game in that season. You can tell we can have a conversation all day if we're putting that on Billy Donovan and the coaching staff who are just putting that on Kobe White going out and being a dog and having his first full offseason as a Chicago Bull. But nonetheless, and because of that, until we see some of these moves start working out and we start seeing the Bulls take a All we've basically seen is the Bulls regress. We started off very high last season, being the number one team in the East for the first couple of months of the season, basically. And it's been nothing but going downhill since then as far as the record. And until we start seeing these moves pay off, they then turn into wins, they then turn into the Chicago Bulls team looking more formidable, until we stop seeing things like secret extensions as well, it's hard to have a faith in a front office that has gotten things wrong. And on top of that, their transparency isn't always there. I think that had we been a team that stayed that path of saying, hey, we're going the path of development, we're going to the path of slowly developing through the draft over time, I think that it would have you would have had a longer leash of trust from fans. We didn't do that. So until we start seeing those wins and things like that come, it's going to be a long go before we get trust back to this front office. But, hey, maybe I could be wrong. Let me know what you guys think down below on how much you do trust this front office, not just going into this offseason, but overall, right, over time, how much do we trust Acme's ability to really fix what's going on with this team? Let me know what you guys think on that down below. But that's it. That's my time for today. Thank you so much for tuning in to another episode of Locked on Bulls. If you want to follow me, you can do so at CEO Hayes. That's CEO H-A-I-Z-E. If you want to follow Pat, you can do so at Pat the Designer on every social media platform that he's on. But that's our time for today. Thank you so much, everydayers, for tuning in to Locked on Bulls every single day. We will be back tomorrow with more Bulls topics, news, anything else that's going on. You can stay locked in right here because we'll be sure to bring that to you. Before Pat the Designer, I'm Hayes. This has been another episode of Locked on Bulls, and we'll see you lovely and beautiful people tomorrow.
Peace, y'all.